0: For me personally, losing money for myself, yeah, it stinks. You know, we've all been there with the stock market. You've seen your stock, you know, going up and up and up. And then one night, you lose it all. feels great, like a bad night in Vegas. And then with with real estate, you just want to make sure that he or she has your back.
1: And I think that, I mean, I know I feel a lot worse losing my investors' money. What's going on, guys? Thank you for tuning in. This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Happy to be talking with you today. Today, our guest is Rick Martin from FortressFederation.com. Today, we're bringing you a few different pieces of information about passive investing in real estate. First, we're talking about Rick's Rick's experience. He's got a lot of experience investing in real estate, so you're going to hear about that. But you're going to get a few stories about why active investing is not all it's always cracked up to be and why passive investing may be better for many busy professionals out there like you. Rick is just like you. He was a busy professional actively investing in real estate. And uh, he's going to bring some stories today that might make you reconsider actively investing in real estate and put you more toward the passive path. We also talk about aspects, things that Rick looks for in passive investments and passive investing teams that he invests with after investing actively on his own for more than two decades. He brings a lot of experience and knows what to look for in a passive investment. A lot of information on this one and you're going to pick it all up today. At least I hope so. Maybe go back and listen again if you don't get everything. For everybody who's new to the show, I'm your host, Tabor Wood. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy apartment complexes with passive investors and split the return. Love talking with guys like Rick with so much experience and learning from them alongside you. Without any further ado, here we go with Rick Martin from FortressFederation.com. Rick, thank you for joining us today.
0: My pleasure. It's an honor to be here,
1: Taylor. Great to talk with you. Uh, we chatted a bit before we hit record, but uh, had to start getting some of this on tape. Before we get into what we're going to talk about today, can you tell the listeners about your background, your experience, and you know, how you got to where you are today?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I was one of those accidental investors, I suppose. I was, uh, this is a long time back in Seattle, and I was I had graduated college, but I was pursuing career in music, I had all these uh, day jobs and I was actually putting some money away, bought my first single family there. And, uh, you know, it was like 150 grand. It was a really nice little house. Seattle tried to do that today. <laughs> um, and uh, life took a change. Actually that change was, um, I was tired of being a starving artist, which I, which I was. And um, I uh, put that house up for rent and then went on up to film school in Vancouver, British Columbia, and held on to that rental and was, um, you know, getting some nice income on that deal. And and I thought, oh, but this is nice. So so my plan was to continue on that path. And you know, the goal initially was to get like a, a house a year. That didn't happen, but um, I did continue down the path. I remember buying a place in in um, Vegas, which looked great, but that was prior to 2008. So that didn't look so great <laughs> later on. Um, and uh, I remember having a meeting with a, a couple different uh, loan mortgage people saying, well, your your loan to uh, income ratio is off. Um, so you can't get any more loans. I was like, oh, OK, shoot. And, you know, it's just amazing to me. This is prior to bigger, bigger pockets, you know, and uh, it's it's. You know, but that's no excuse because I know a lot of people who who knew a lot of stuff before bigger pockets ever came around. But uh, I did I did continue on, and I remember uh, partnering on a couple places in Palm Desert after I moved down to L.A. I ended up getting a duplex in in L.A. and so I was building some nice equity, and and I sort of thought I know knew what I was doing, but um, I kind of had a second phase in life where. Um, I did start studying up a lot more and learning the numbers and, um, and, you know, I was trying to choose a market and I ended up in the Midwest. I ended up in Indianapolis and being active, you know, I was doing some flips. I was buying some, uh, long-term rentals and, um, doing some burrs. I, I did a, um, I did a nice burr on a fourplex in Indy that I, I still have today. And, um, you know, a lot of it was great, very educational and and profitable, but I was working my full-time job this whole time. And it is a lot. It, it keeps you up at night. And it did. Um, I had some exciting stuff going on with the flips and um, the same with the fourplex and just things that would uh, keep you up at night. And you I'd be taking phone calls during the day at work. I was, I was like, I don't know if I can be doing this, you know. Um, so I think I heard a podcast and I heard about multifamily and I said, OK, I'm going to get an apartment. Um, and that was kind of my goal. I was going to buy an apartment for myself. Um, and then along the way, I heard about these syndications and the returns sounded pretty good. And also I could hang on to the active stuff that I did have, but I could kind of once, you know, once you get off, off the uh, initial setup of a syndication, it is pretty, truly passive, you know? So I did one, then I did two, then I did three, and I, and that was kind of my plan. I was going to just uh, sort of multiply these syndications, um, and as they either refinanced or if they uh, sold, then I would go out and get another. Um, and uh, I continued to do that, to continue for passive investments. Um And I have my favorite parts of the country that I like to look in.
1: So I can imagine through that process of doing all these deals yourself, getting phone calls during the day while you're at work, you had some experiences that pushed you obviously in the direction of passive investing. Can you tell us a bit about some of those things that happened that caused you to consider, you know, more passive investments uh, through your real estate? Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I can think back to a, another rental that I had in Seattle that was going really well. But um, I remember getting a call at 1 a.m. And this I, I had moved from Seattle down to L.A. by now. And um, I got a call from this neighbor. who She loved calling me on every, everything. And she had, she had every right because uh, these particular tenants uh, were a challenge. And she, she, uh, she said, you have a fire goth party going on at your house right now. And I would say there are 200 people there and, you know, I had property management. Um, but, and she had property management's number, but they, you know, the na- I had fallen out of favor with the neighbors. <laughs> These people, they would have like big black, uh, garbage bags piled up out in front of the house. It was a really nice house and a really uh, nice little, uh, neighborhood. And it looked like they had a, you know bunch of dead bodies or something out in front. And they were, they were a unique bunch. And, um, and yeah, they were literally having a fire party. Um, and so another neighbor called me same night, like 15 minutes later, and he was, he was concerned. His tree was going to catch on fire. So um yeah, you know, the fire department got called. The, the police got called. My guy called the property manager and, you know, that house was cash flowing really nicely I really wanted to hang on to it, but after all the complaints and, you know, I was just not the favorite neighbor in the neighborhood anymore, um, I, I decided to sell that place. Um, and um, I mean, that's just one. I could go on. You know, I, speaking of some of the deals in Indianapolis, you know, like the, the, uh, a flip was looking good for me. And then, boom, I, I, you know, we did the, the, the scope of the sewer line. And fourteen grand later, you know the property the the profit wasn't looking so good. I'm happy to report I've never lost money. Um, well, there's one I can tell you about later, but it's a different kind of investment. <laughs> um, but I've had some I've had some margins shaved off uh, due to stuff like that. You know, sewer, sewer lines. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just the way it is. But it it's also it was also kind of like what I alluded, alluded to earlier. It's the stress at work when you're at work and um you're getting those phone calls and you can't you really can't be dealing with it. So that's those those are a couple of good ones that I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> <I> <laughs> well that the goth fire party. <laughs>
1: the goth fire party. Wow. Well that, that sounds rough. And you know, I, I haven't done a flip myself, but from meeting many flippers, learning about their businesses, it seems like just the the daily activities, even when things aren't going crazy, just keeping the thing running is a job on its own. It is. You have to keep the contractors
0: uh, motivated, you know, because they, they won't tell you, but they got another, you know, a bunch of other jobs going on. And, and if you're out of state, which I was, you know, I was doing this remotely. You need eyes on that to tell you, Hey, your contractors aren't there and they haven't been there for a week, you know, and a flip, you know, time is money. Like you you generally want to get in and out of a flip like three, four months if you can. And I don't even want to tell you how long this one, the one with the sewer main, that thing was like beyond a year. So there was all kinds of stuff, you know, the holding costs really add up with a, with a flip. Um, So yeah, there, there are challenges that people need to be aware of when uh, wanting to be an active real estate investor. It's, it's not all rosy. It's fun, you know. It's Monopoly. It, it uh, you know, the numbers work. It's great, and, uh, but there are challenges. and There's work you got to deal with.
1: Yeah. So, in making that transition to uh, syndication investing and getting into those, what are some early lessons you had to learn to start evaluating the syndications, or you know, find the good deals and figure out you know which ones you wanted to invest in?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of people will tell you you, you got to start with the sponsor you you want to have a good intuition about that person and i've had a few where i thought i had a good relationship and then i you know i learned a few things and you can be aggressive you can do background checks uh you can definitely ask for references which i do you can have some nice long conversations with some people that have invested with these um sponsors and and learn a lot that way learn how to communicate you know, it's not all about the returns all the time, and you know, along the way, you kind of you kind of figure out, okay, what's important to me is cash flow important to me? Um, do I want to get a healthy, healthy dose of cash flow each month, or am I trying to build my net worth and I'll take a little more risk and and build some upside? And then I'm a, I love to do like market research and and see you know what's happening in every market. I like just uh, vetting every market. So I do that on my own, regardless of whether I'm active or passive. And you kind of narrow it down on to where you want to invest. So you find a good partner or you find a good sponsor and he's in a good market that you like, then it will just come down to the deal itself. And you want to familiarize yourself with some of the key components um, like underwriting, for sure. You want to, you know, you want to know, when you're looking at some rent growth, that seems a little a little lofty. Um, <laughs> you want to know about the exit cap, and you want to you want to base that exit cap against the uh, stabilized market cap, not the purchase cap. I, I see a lot of uh, deals that come through, and they'll have a, a a purchase cap on there, and they'll they'll bump the exit cap up from there. And um, you know that's just one deal. You want to be comparing that exit cap to a bunch of deals, so you want that market stabilized, capped to compare it to. So there you know you, you get these fundamentals down and you're good and and you have a few conversations really with with the sponsor and you're probably good. you know you'll, you'll understand like, okay, I can trust this guy. he knows what he's talking about. and you talk about the nuts and bolts
1: and when you're ready, you're ready. Nice. So when I say the word. Deal breakers. What comes to mind in investing in a syndication? What are a couple of you mentioned a few things that you look for? Um, are there mm-hmm. any other deal breakers?
0: Well, let's. Well, since it's deal breakers, let's talk about deal breakers. And um, I, I like to look at the numbers, and I just mentioned a few. If, like, I just looked at a deal that looked like it was underwritten in any year, any other year. But you know, as we know, this isn't any other year. it was it was pretty aggressive. And you know, this year, people need to be upping that economic vacancy. Uh, they need to be uh, upping that cap that exit cap that I spoke of. And if you see some high rent growth, then I think that's just a little bit too optimistic. you know there you know they' rumblings that Maybe we don't get any rent growth for the next couple of years there in terms of what in depending on what market you're in, um, there might actually be negative rank growth. When I see bad underwriting or aggressive um, underwriting jumps off the page at me and I'm like, eh, can't do that. In terms of the sponsor, if I'm speaking with him and I hear anything that seems sort of self-serving, uh, sort of greedy, if you will, I, I don't. I'm, I'm done, you know, because really a good operator, you start with the investor returns. If you can sleep at night and you're losing people's money, uh, you shouldn't be in this business. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, for me personally, losing money for myself. Yeah, it stings. You know, we've all been there with the stock market. You've seen your stock, you know, going up and up and up. And then one night you lose it all. Feels great. It's Like a bad night in Vegas. And then with... A with real estate, you just want to make sure that he or she has your back. And I think that I mean, I know I'd feel a lot worse losing my investors' money, losing my grandma's money, uh, losing my best friend's money, losing anyone's money. I'd have a lot of trouble sleeping at night.
1: Absolutely, 100%. And you know, when you mention things that may seem self serving, I want to just dig into that a little bit. And like, what does that mean? Is that fees? Is it Equity split—is it something else? I mean, or is it kind of just a, a feel that you get? Like, what does that really mean? Actually, oh, well, that's a good question. When it comes
0: to fees and equity splits and you know waterfalls and all this type of thing, I I, I can I can see both sides. You know, I know that it's challenging for. Really, I wasn't speaking to that first to, to answer your question. It's more something will slip out in the conversation um, that I just get the sense they're in it. For themselves, and you know, we we all need to be somewhat selfish with our own invest, investments, you know. But if you are the steward of a bunch of people's capital, um, you you can't be that way. But getting back to your other thing, um, fees, yeah, I, su- I suppose if you see uh, an outrageous acquisition fee, something above two percent, that's yeah, that's probably not a good sign. And then waterfalls, you have to be. Um, aware of them, like at what they're basically incentives, right? For the, the operator to do well. And if you hit this mark, uh, if you hit a certain IRR, then the split changes. Now, that is something that they will tell you that this aligns with investor int- interest because it keeps them motivated and to do the deal right and to do it well. And honestly, I, I'm in on some deals with some waterfalls passively and as long as i'm meeting or beating my projections hey all the power to you know you, <laughs> you have all the money you want um as long as i'm getting what i expected great now sometimes when there isn't a pref people will put their arms up and say oh there's no pref you know well it can be a challenge for an operator to keep the lights on if they are trying to meet that pref and they're they're not they're really not able to keep the lights on um, it's it's difficult you know and then you fall into a deficiency and then you got you have to work to, to pay it back so sometimes just the simple structures where there isn't a pref and um, it's a it's an even uh, fair split you know, a 75 25 even 80 20 I think sometimes
1: the more simple the better i i mean I, I agree I like simplicity in, in a lot of these deals, both you know actively and passively and so something we haven't mentioned here is like uh the like the good entrepreneur that you are, you got into real estate syndication passively and just couldn't stay out and couldn't stay uh just solely passive in syndication so you're you know getting into the the active side of syndication having been an active real estate investor for a number of years now i just want to make sure we touch on that and talk about that experience and, and a, just as a comment before we do that something guys I've, I've observed and folks in this space will observe is that a lot of the active syndicators out there are passive investors as well they don't get out there they don't talk about it but behind closed doors you see you might see a schedule a that is going to have their name on it or their company's name on it mm-hmm. and they're, Absolutely. they're big active names but they're still passively investing in deals so you know just keep that in mind
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, you can't invest your own retirement money into your own syndication, right? So um, if syndication is something that you're interested in and you like the returns, then yeah, that's why I'll continue to
1: be passive even while I'm active. Yeah, yeah. But getting into the active syndication game on your own, I mean, that you you have all this experience as an active investor investing for yourself. Is this your first experience taking on investors? Were you self-funding before? or taking loans or... Uh, what about that
0: in terms of a larger scale raise yes um and uh it's, it, it's it's different it's it's a whole it's a whole new ball game you know and it really comes down to educating in- investors and that's that's sort of my niche in this whole system is that's my background you know i've um i'm in the i don't know what you call arts and entertainment <laughs> world i'm out here in Redondo Beach and and do a lot of um editing and animation and art direction and um, I thought I was getting away from that, but I keep getting sucked back in because people <laughs> need it you know and in fact today I was just cutting a video that we're, we're uh, gonna use for a property that we're we're um, we're currently in a race for and you know that that's okay. I don't want to lose that I like that creative side and you know that's really That's kind of where the light bulb went off. I was like, well, hey, you know, if I can just educate people and create content and um, keep them informed with all the knowledge I have, uh, that's a win. And it makes makes the job pretty fun, actually.
1: Nice, nice. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Rick, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. (laughs) Are you ready? (laughs) I am ready. You are. All right, great. First one, What's the best investment you ever made other than in your education?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Well, you know, I, the, easy, the easy answer would be to say that first round I brought up in the beginning. Because, but that was just dumb luck. It was time. You know, I, I, I tripled my investment on that. But that was just because I took advantage of time and market appreciation. So I'm going to throw that one out. Um, recently a few apartment deals look good, but we haven't exited. So I can't really include, include those, but the, the price per door is looking pretty sweet. I gotta say, but I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to say a, a, a fourplex that I did out in Indianapolis, you know, I, I, I bought the thing 50, 50 grand. It was vacant. It was in a working class neighborhood. Not a, definitely not a, a D neighborhood, not a, not a, I don't know what you call it. A, a war zone. Definitely not that but it had been neglected. In fact, it wasn't even on the city's records. So this, this took a little fortitude, especially not being in, in the the city itself, but, you know, I had a good relationship with my broker and, you know, I put an, I planned to put another 50 grand into it, which I did, but then that particular contractor just, it was bizarre. He, he, he just kind of disappeared. And uh, unfortunately he did not finish a job. And, um, so I also switched property management at that, at that time. So I had a lot going on, but it was a good time to do it. It was pretty early on. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to say got that thing fully rented pretty quickly and then got it, uh, appraised for over 200 grand, um, which was only like a year, a year later. Um, so now it's probably doing, doing better than that. And, uh, it's been, it's been flow and great, you know? So I, I hang on to that one. Um, that's, a, yeah, that, that's a good one. I got a couple, but that, that's one that comes to mind.
1: Nice. I like it. We had the best investment you ever made. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made?
0: All right. Well, I could easily say Vegas, kind of like I could have said Seattle. Um, <laughs> but again, that was like beyond my control. That was the 2008 crash and it wasn't my fault. There was a subprime sandwich. So I'm throwing that one out. And I actually came back on that one and sold it for a profit. So I'm going to say something kind of weird. I, Me and a friend partnered on some land in Costa Rica. And it was a beautiful perch with a 180 degree view. And we both liked to surf. So it was like a lifestyle investment, you know. And we were going to build our dream home. But you know, life, it takes changes. <laughs> or it took a change. Um, You know, his, his he and his wife decided later that maybe it wasn't for them, you know, and that's what happens with, with, uh, partnerships, you know, these long-term partnerships, you got to make sure that, uh, you're going, your interests are going to align for the long-term and, and they did change. And also, you know, we sort of didn't, we didn't, we absolutely did not do our due diligence. We, we were under the impression we were going to get water to run to that property and, uh, electrical, no problem, but there were some issues there. And, um, also there's no financing down in Costa Rica. So, you're looking at paying out of pocket quite a bit of money to to buy this dream home. And then actually you got to build the thing. You know, we're up here in LA and uh, the, the, the construction was going to be down there in Costa Rica. And it just, you know, sometimes you have to really analyze your dreams <laughs> and um, make sure you're in the right position to do it. And Ironically, this year we found a buyer, but it was right before COVID hit. And um, we were gonna do, he was gonna do a little owner financing with us. And um, it's, the contract's still there. We actually have the earnest money and uh, we'll get out of that thing. Um, but I, I, I don't know if we're gonna break even on that. So mm. that's Gosh. my worst investment. Wow. Well, and what's wow. that about is my dream is crushed, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing?
0: Yeah, that's, that's another good one. Um, I would say to to add, just look to always to add value. You know, in, in most businesses, you're not in it alone, right? You're looking for partnerships and you don't want to come out with someone uh, with like, hey, can I pick your brain? And, you know, can you can you kind of mentor me on the, on the ways of syndication or whatever it is that you're interested in. You always want to self-analyze and see what value do I bring? Um, where are my strengths? And add that value and don't expect anything in return. And it, it will usually come back to you, I believe. Um, nice. So what you give is what you get.
1: Nice. Super helpful. And I've had a lot of folks come up to me and in my meetup, other things like that, asking if they could help. and like, now I have the job of finding something, you know, this guy that this guy guy can do for me. But if he'd come with an idea, that'd be much more helpful. And a lot of folks in that in this space uh, see that type of thing. So fantastic advice, Rick. If folks want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more, so on. Where can they find you?
0: Yeah, go to my website at www.fortressfederation.com, and you'll a lot of uh free information up there uh, i like to to bring bring a lot of content to the website in fact i have a free ebook up there that uh, gets you up and running as a quick start guide to investing in syndications so um it, it summarizes things pretty quickly and nicely and and gets you off and running and also if you want to find me on facebook you can find fortress federation there and you can find me on linkedin and now i have a, a youtube channel so i uh, just search fortress federation on any one of those platforms and you'll find me
1: all right great well thanks so much for joining us today really appreciate all of the information to everybody out there thank you for tuning in if you're enjoying the show please leave us a rating or interview on apple podcast very much appreciate it and it helps other people learn about the show if you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.